Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Hi, I'm Allison Langer. I'm Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. So today we're bringing you a story written by Dr. Jane Marks a conservation ecologist and professor of aquatic ecology at Northern Arizona University. Jane has been taking classes with Writing Class Radio for almost two years. And until I read her bio, I actually had no idea what a badass she was. Nope. She totally downplays her brilliance. Yep. I think she dumbs it down for us. Yes, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Jane came to writing class with the goal of making her academic writing more personal. What she didn't realize is that writing class, specifically writing personal essay, forces the narrator to go deep and ask the questions, why? Why am I writing this? Why does anyone care? Why is this a thing for me? Why do I care so much about what people think? Jane wrote this essay in first draft, worked on it in second draft, and when she felt she had answered the whys, she submitted to Writing Class Radio. We'll be back with Jane's story after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice I've learned in the last 45 years is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Eastern time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. We're back. I'm Andrea Askowitz and this is Writing Class Radio. Here's Dr. Jane Marks with her story called Hating Brussels sprouts is not my biggest problem. The foulest place on the planet is the center of a Brussels sprout. As a graduate student 25 years ago, I was eating dinner at my advisor Mary's house. I had earlier expressed disdain for Brussels sprouts 
And she, like many, said, no, you haven't tried my Brussels sprouts. Not again, I thought. I can't tell you how many people have said you haven't tried my Brussels sprouts. Mary often treated graduate students in her lab to a home-cooked meal. Eight of us at her dining room table passed platters of chicken and pasta. She brought in a pan from the kitchen. Jane, these are for you. They're delicious, sauteed and caramelized onions. I'm not gonna like them, I warned. Just try one, she said, putting three on my plate. Even caramelized onion can't mask the odor of a Brussels sprout. I was in the biology program at Berkeley where your relationship with your advisor was important. Faculty advisors funded your research, helped you publish papers, and wrote letters of recommendation. If I didn't eat her Brussels sprouts, would it jeopardize my career? I looked at my plate, and all I could see were three vomit green, wrinkly balls. Every time I looked down, the sprouts had expanded their territory. The outer leaves were sloughing off, making contact with the chicken breast. The juices were seeping into the crevices of the pasta spirals. My entire dinner was under siege. I tried to swallow one hole with water, like an aspirin. I put it as far back in my mouth as I could, hoping to avoid direct contact with its center. But the center asserted itself, shooting a burst of bitterness from my throat back into my mouth. I almost puked. There were two more. Mary had a large pet box turtle named Ishmael who lived in an aquarium in the dining room. I haven't said hello to Ishmael yet, I said, getting out of my chair and standing over the aquarium. Taking a break mid-meal to engage in conversation with a reptile is not that uncommon for a biologist. I waited until Mary went to the kitchen. As soon as she pushed through the swinging door, I grabbed the Brussels sprouts from my plate and hid them under the rocks that furnished Ishmael's home. Using his usual food, lettuce, as camouflage. I made it back to my seat before the kitchen door swung open and she re-entered the dining room. No one seemed to notice. When Mary cleared my plate, she said, Jane, you ate your Brussels sprouts. Didn't I tell you? They just need to be cooked right. A few years ago, we got a Vitamix and superfood smoothie recipe. My husband, Bruce, loves to make smoothies. The recipes involve complex ingredients like rosemary, spirulina, or hemp seeds. He often leaves a glass in the refrigerator for me. One morning, there was a smoothie that looked like a French vanilla milkshake. I took a sip and gagged. I figured it was too close to toothpaste and made soft-boiled eggs. Being the open-minded person that I am, I gave it another try a few hours later. I took a micro sip that provoked a macro gag. I couldn't place the flavor and wondered if he threw the compost in the Vitamix. Later, he asked how I liked the smoothie. Disgusting. What was in it? Stuff. What stuff? He finally confessed that it had raw Brussels sprouts. He likes to tell the story because he too is a scientist and thinks the blind taste test provides objective evidence that I hate Brussels sprouts. Isn't asking my opinion and listening to my response to evidence enough? I have a divorce lawyer on speed dial if he tries that stunt again. Brussels sprout champions often promote their health benefits. A single serving provides 200% of the daily requirement of the bone strengthening vitamin K. Who needs 200% of any vitamin? Sometimes I push food on others, but it's different. 
My husband, Bruce, and I were at a restaurant. For dessert, I said, I'll get the apple crisp. You could get the molten chocolate cake. No thanks, he said, you go ahead. I ordered the apple crisp with two spoons. When the waiter asked about ice cream, I said, we'll have an order of molten chocolate cake too, on the side. How can anyone enjoy dessert if the person across the table is smugly abstaining? When my father-in-law does not want my homemade eggplant parmesan, my initial reaction is that he must be wrong about eggplant. How can anyone not like eggplant? Then I wonder if it's me he doesn't like. Times have changed since I pawned my Brussels sprouts on Ismail, who lived another 20 years, a long life for a turtle. Maybe it was the vitamin K. Brussels sprouts have had a revival. Mary retired, now I'm the advisor. I have half a dozen graduate students working under my direction. I often meet my students at a brew pub and buy the first round, passing on the generosity I learned from Mary. A few weeks ago, I was enjoying an IPA when a server brought a platter of Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts at a brew pub? There ought to be a law. Who ordered this, I asked. Chill out, Jane, said the student who put in the order. I would never have said that to Mary. I swallowed that putrid green ball for the sake of my career. Or did I? These students don't seem to care about kissing my ass. They seem to know I judge students on their work alone. Maybe Mary did too. Let's rearrange the table, I said. The Brussels sprouts and Brussels sprout people can go to one end and the civilized people to the other. All the students responded at once. Stop bussing us around. It's happy hour. You go to another table. They're delicious. Just try one. Okay, so I just want to say this little Brussels sprout story tells us so much about the narrator. And I just thought that was super cool. Are you saying one dark green wrinkly ball told us so much about this narrator? Yeah. <laughs> and you can't tell that our previous episode was about a menage a trois because <laughs> now we're totally sexualizing every story. Uh, yeah. She's the one who called it a green wrinkly ball. But yeah, we learned so much about her. It's really cool because I think, I don't remember if this came from first draft, but I think write about a food you dislike or something like that. And these prompts always seem like, why are we doing this? What is that going to do? And it's always trying to go deep, deep, deep to try to figure out why is it you hate these things? And how has the hatred of this one particular food shaped your life? Do you have one? A food I hate? Yeah. I hate liver. I hate you. I know, gross. I hate Spanish olives. Ugh, hate olives. I hate capers. Capers too. Oh, I do remember that I was on a date. This is before Vicky. And um, this woman made dinner for me and she made the salmon with capers. Did you eat it? No, because I was like, Ooh, oh. and um, before that, I was like, oh, yeah, I eat everything because I think of myself as someone who eats everything. So, OK, that that relationship didn't last. I hate eggs. I hate olives, but I hate eggs. And because people don't care if you don't eat their olives. But if you don't eat eggs, like my dad is always like, oh, you want me to come over and make some eggs? I'm like, and my kids are like, Grandpa. Mom is 55. She's never <laughs> liked eggs. And he's like, oh, okay. But he asks all the time. It's like <laughs> one day. Well, that's a different story. Why can't he remember? But yeah. 
but he used to cook them for me when I was sick and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. So I remember I tried to down him, like kind of like the aspirin, like just open and swallow and like, like eating a fish hole or something, you know? Did it rot you out when the narrator um, didn't brush her teeth or did brush her teeth and then thought it was just her toothpaste? So then she made eggs. It's the smell. No, but these things people don't understand like, oh, and I've said it. I just like, you know, we always think that, what, yeah, my Brussels sprouts are going to love my Brussels sprouts. I, I hate mushrooms. All mushrooms, like even cooked and sauteed and everything. Yeah. And they stink so bad. Mushrooms have no smell. Yeah, they do. They smell like butt. And I know what butt smells like, and so do you. Ew. Everyone knows what butt smells like. I'm telling you, it smells. I don't like it. So it's sort of like the way Brussels sprouts sprout smell. But it, what's really funny is this very specific story, and we say this all the time, brings up a universal understanding, which I think is amazing. I actually thought this story, when I just listened to it this time, I thought the story was about the more things change, the more things stay the same. What? No? Alice is giving me like no face because, so I feel like there's a legacy kind of thing. Like she used to be the grad student. Now she's, she's the advisor, but her students, they don't kiss her ass. But the story is about how it was really the same. She didn't need to kiss her professor's ass either. See, I I won you over, right? Well, she, yeah, I think that we come to that. And that's, that to me was the turning point and why this essay was so impactful is that these things that we live with for all these years and these things that we do that we think are going to do one thing for us. So she thought if she kissed this ass that she would be accepted, but really she was already accepted. You know, she comes to realize that it had nothing to do with the food or anything like that. And we think that what's on the outside or how we treat, you know, like the whole thing, but people love us. They love you. They love you. And I think in this story, she was doing great work and her advisor loved her. And just like she loves her students. And if somebody just said, oh, I don't want to eat such and such, she wouldn't care. No, exactly. Yeah. So she comes to realize that she did not have to swallow those Brussels sprouts whole or feed them to Ishmael. Although that was really funny. To get her advisor's approval. So can we go through it and talk about how funny she is? No, let's do it. Or she's she's like the foulest place on earth. (laughs) This is funny already. The aspirin. No, the funniest part is that she, the vomit green wrinkly balls. I mean, that's just oh, so oh, funny. Oh, I miss that. The way she even yeah. like sees them and then the juice creeping out and tried to swallow, yeah, swallow one like aspirin. So she injects humor in here and that's just her way, which is so cool. Oh yeah, her, her entire dinner was under siege. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And just the fact that she gets up to do that. There's two types of people. There's one person who says, I, I can't eat those. I'm sorry. These are not something that I eat. But then there's also Jane who, instead of sucking it up and just eating them, finds something to do with them, like a kid. She has like a kid's mind, a kid's sense of humor, like kids would put them in their pocket or, you know, drop them on the floor or something like that. And Jane does the kid thing, which I thought was so cute. Taking a break mid-meal to engage in conversation with a reptile is not that uncommon for a biologist. Loved it. (laughs) I'm just so endeared. She is a kid. You're so right. But then at this one point, she's ragging on all these people who are pushing food on her. And then she admits that she does that with the eggplant. And so that's another way. Like we talk about vulnerable narrators or likable narrator. And in this case, we love 
this narrator because she kind of pokes fun at herself. And then she says, I do the same thing. So she's not like a self-righteous bitch. True. And then in that moment where she was questioning whether or not her father-in-law liked her eggplant, she really, really questioned whether her father-in-law liked her. Mm -hmm. So she gave us sort of like her mental state. That's That was like proof for us to understand why she felt like she needed to eat those Brussels sprouts. Without saying it. So she showed us like really without saying I'm this type of person. Mm-hmm. which is really cool. There was another part that I thought was funny that we passed over. I just thought the way that she said that her husband thought that the blind taste test proved mm-hmm. or provided objective evidence. So she's using like the language of science. Yeah. That's a, to me, that's just Love brilliant. That. Love it. She wondered if he had put the compost in the Vitamix. Oh my God, that's so funny. She's like, why does anyone need 200% of any vitamin? And then when Ishmael lived 20 years, she's like, well, could have been the vitamin K. She brings it back. She brings it back. Yeah. Which I love. Because then we know why she dropped that in. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. We heard that. Call back. Really good. And then we get to the end. And then we already talked about it. But I do think the story is about times have changed, but times haven't changed. And what the narrator learns is that she didn't have to bend over backwards. And in this case, swallow nasty Brussels sprouts. Do you like Brussels sprouts? Love. I don't like them that much. Raw, cooked. Have you tried mine? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I only like them when they're like cooked to the extreme, like when they're pretty much cooked beyond recognition. And you just cannot tell because they are bitter to me. And they're, they're, look, I eat everything. By the way, that salad I made you the other night with the peanut yeah. sauce. Yeah. That was raw Brussels sprouts shredded. Really? With cabbage. Oh. That's it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just cabbage. No. Wow. Maybe it's a cooked thing that it becomes bitter as it's cooked, maybe, or the smell. I don't know. We're going to have to talk to a scientist. But I don't know. Do you think Jane would want to discuss this? Or maybe we have to talk to Bruce. I know, maybe, yeah, because it seems like Jane can't even talk about Brussels sprouts. Like, (laughs) la, 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 la. Yeah, that's how she is about them. I love it. So I want to bring up something that is we, I don't know that we talk about this very much, but lately I feel like we have been getting so many phone calls from business people saying, how do I make my speeches or my writing more personal? And, you know, basically... How do I am tell- I allowed to say that I am part of the campaign team for Helen Gim, who's running for mayor, the next, the first female mayor of Philadelphia? Hired yeah, you're allowed. Me. Go ahead. Okay, I did it. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Hired super me cool. yeah. to personalize her campaign speeches. Yeah. So in May of 2023, we will know if our, our work paid off. I think it will. Helen Gim for mayor of Philadelphia. But okay, to your point, a lot of people are calling us and asking us to help them personalize their writing. And they're, and you're talking about writing in other realms. Oh yeah, business, like, totally, 100%. Yeah. Today yeah. it happened again, right? Yes. And it's the, the thing is, is that, um, and I've been bitching about this for eight, seven, nine years now, in our schools, we're really not teaching personal essay. So the kids are getting, you know, great writing lessons on how to compare literature or write a five paragraph essay or something very 
um, departmental. But what they're not doing is learning how to inject themselves and get personal and vulnerable. Um, so it it carries over. So now they're in business people, grownups, and they're like, uh, something's wrong here. People aren't responding to me. People are bored with what I'm writing. How do I make it more interesting and more personal? So anyway, um, so Jane and Bruce, both scientists, started taking our classes a couple years back now. And they just really wanted to personalize their scientific writing. They wanted to be able to make their writing more interesting. Yeah, because everybody knows that what connects people to each other's personal stories. So people know that now. They just don't really know how to do it. Yeah. You had been also helping people. Well, we both were, but mostly you going into businesses and helping people tell their stories, right? So realtors and entrepreneurs, people who I did it for like the philanthropists. Like I've done it a bunch of times. It's so much fun to talk to non-writers about how to personalize. I mean, that's what I have. That's what I did at the um, trustees council for Penn women, like just taught them how to personalize their own stories. Yeah. And people are so scared. It always slightly scandalizes them, but then they're like, Oh, then they tone it down and tell their story. But you know what? Sometimes you have to be extreme to get people's attention But what it does is it draws people to you. It does not push people away. So many people are afraid to show who they really are. But from our experience, we've learned that the more you tell, the the more people want to know and want to share. The more vulnerable anyone is in any capacity. That's what I think. Like if you're running for mayor, if you're a philanthropist, if you're a realtor, the more personal you are, the more attractive you are in your business. So, and that's true too for scientists. And that's what Jane and Bruce, I think are learning. Yeah. So that's, that's so cool because Jane did have to, you were talking to me earlier about how Jane, Jane, our narrator today has learned to like ask a lot of questions. Like why, why does this matter to me? Why did I feel like I had to eat that Brussels sprout? Why do I care now? Yeah. And that's what her story reveals for us is all the answers to those whys. Yeah. And then it not only helps us understand ourselves, but it does help us understand other people. It's all around amazing. So we're not necessarily trying to sell ourselves, though we, we're always up for sale. But we just wanted to point that out here because... <laughs> I thought I was the whore. I don't even have an answer to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all whores. Because people are scared. I know that many times we both told stories and they're like, how could you have published that? And yet, you know, it's as people, I think I've grown as a person. I've grown so much since I started sharing my stories and I like myself better. I like you better. Thanks. And I like this narrator better. Jane Marks was featured as the lead scientist in the PBS documentary, A River Reborn, The Restoration of Fossil Creek, narrated by actor Ted Danson. And she also produced the video documentary, Parched, the Art of Water in the Southwest. For more Dr. Jane Marks, go to ecoss.nau.edu slash team slash Jane dash Marks. And we will have that in our show notes. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Jane, for sharing your story. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. 
Audio production is by Matt Kundal. That's me. Evan Serminski and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Emia. There's more writing class on a radio writing. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> there's more writing class on our website. Writingclassradio.com, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our community by following us on Patreon. For $35 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern Time, and or Zarina Fry, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There is no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.